Hi everyone! Welcome back to the Golden Hour series. The Golden Hour series is a conversation that I have and Nikki have with people who inspire us. Today I'm so excited to be introducing one of my best friends, Callie Chamberlain. Uh, she has an extremely badass background. She has been in healthcare, does a ton of community work, and a lot of other things that, you know, if you haven't had a chance to read the bio yet, I highly encourage you to go check out the video, or not the video, the image. Happy to welcome Callie. Woohoo! Hey, Callie. Hi, thanks for having me. Look at us. Both of our foreheads are cut off. Clearly, I we don't know how to do IG Live. <laughs> it's okay. Now you guys are going to get that three head instead of that five head. Um, <laughs> anywho, I wanted to jump right into what our topic for today is going to be. And today's topic is going to be about curiosity and how curiosity leads to opportunities. So earlier this week, Callie and I were discussing what curiosity means, how it's led to opportunities in her life. And we really wanted to narrow down to like what the definition of curiosity is and how it is represented in our life in different aspects. So without further ado, Callie, I'll let you kind of describe to us in our audience, what does curiosity mean to you? Yeah, I, I think um, curiosity to me is just about aligning to yourself and being clear on what your interests are and the things that are motivating and exciting and interesting to you and being able to create a space in which you're able to pursue those things. And I think like you had sort of set up, I do have this like very different sort of background and a lot of that has been driven by just following my own instincts around this feels like something that could be really amazing and I just want to learn more or now I'm like starting to have conversations about for example relationships and spirituality and then all of a sudden it leads to something else and something else and it's just um it's really beautiful to see how your curiosity can take you to all of the places that you maybe need to be and just to have it be aligned to yourself in that way. So I love that aspect, how like curiosity has opened all these doors for you. When do you think curiosity enters your life? Like, do you think you go and seek it or does it find you? I think it's both. I think there's something about the intentionality of like creating and understanding and being grounded in like, what do I care about? What do I want to learn about right now? And then having those opportunities come. So for example, um, I, I think a lot about um, slow hunches, which is essentially like something that you'll hold for a while, a question you might hold, an interest you might hold, and then trusting that it will emerge when it needs to emerge. So for example, with the doula work, um, you know, that's something I've been thinking about for a year and a half. And I didn't really tell people about it. I told maybe more people than I normally would have. But it was something that I just was sort of interested in, wanting to have conversations about, learning about. And I, I feel like there were things that started to ladder up that pointed me into the direction of like, now is the time for you to do that. And so it was amazing to like be holding that. And then all of a sudden I had a conversation with one person about something totally unrelated. And she was like, oh my God, I just did this incredible doula program. You would love it. And I went through it and it changed my life. It was so transformative. It really helped me feel like I was pursuing my purpose by going through the work. And it's interesting to take a step back and think, you know, if I had been so regimented in my goals saying I need to do this, as soon as I thought about it a year ago, I would have gone through a program that 
you know, now I can look at it and see that that's what I would have done. And it would not have been the same experience. I would have not have been in the same place to receive that message. And so again, I think like being intentional about it, but being open to the opportunity when it comes to you, it all just sort of aligns in the way that it needs to. And so that's really been my experience with being ready. And then again, like just being open. I love that. Okay. So we jumped all the way down to your resume. Let's start at the beginning. Callie and I met through an internship at United Health Group. We used to literally book meetings in these little hub spots and just like chill out as interns and like talk about what we were doing in each of our teams. So that's, I mean, talk about the power of community and like literally keeping up with your network and then building long lasting friendships out of it. But um, that's a little history on me and Callie. I wanted to kind of go back into like, before we get into all of, you know, your purpose and, and do the doula work that's calling you, give me a little brief background and everyone on the call, um, what is it that you do right now professionally? And then kind of like lead us into um, that story, into how you discovered that you wanted to be like a doula, a practicing doula. Yeah. Um- it, it, again, it was like so non-traditional. I mean, right now I work at a large healthcare company and I oversee their corporate social responsibility program. And what I love about that is that um, it's been so informed by my other experiences to what our approach is across the department. So traditional CSR programs are grant making, supporting nonprofits. For our company, we think about it as Like we need to change the system and the way that we're going to do that is by changing the way that we operate as a business. So all of it is internal facing and just changing the way we think about our work. Um, And before I even like got into that, you know, I was pursuing all these different paths and sort of thought like, I'm just going to make money from my corporate job and then like do everything I really care about on the side. I don't really know how these things are going to come together. So I was in consulting. Um, I have a nonprofit that's in Minnesota that um, is committed to advancing equity in the region by lifting up millennials. So our goal is to have across sectors, leaders who are leading from the same set of values and can essentially take over the city in like 10 years and be able to call on each other to get things done. Um, I led that program for two years. Now it's in its sixth year. It's like totally evolved into something I could not have ever imagined or dreamed of. Um, But we have like 100 alumni. We have six elected officials that are at state and local levels. Um, And really seeing, especially in the wake of the murder of George Floyd, the like all of the vision sort of come to life, which has been really beautiful. Um, And then I've done some work in the refugee space. I filmed a documentary on the island of Lesbos, which is where most of the Syrian refugees are coming from Turkey. Um, Myself and five other women raised $30,000 and distributed that to entrepreneurs that were working outside of traditional institutions. Stop Um, right there. How did you get into making a documentary? Do you have a background in film? No is literally my curiosity. <laughs> like, what is that up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, it was just like my my girlfriend was like, yo, I'm gonna go to Greece. I have like all these relationships. Do you wanna come? And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Let's go. Um, and so again, we raised the money, we went over there. Even with the documentary, like we didn't have a plan to film. Like we didn't have a storyline. We were just talking to people and we were like, oh my God, these stories are amazing. Like the women that are here as refugees, the women that are here as entrepreneurs, they have something really meaningful that needs to be shared. So how do we start to build something around this? It's driven by what the refugees feel like other people need to hear. Um, And so that 
took on a life of its own, really. I mean, when you debuted the film in Times Square last year, it won seven awards. Um, we created a microwork application that connects refugees to income opportunities on their cell phones. Well, stop. Jesus. Yeah. Keep going. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, literally all of this, it sounds like, oh my God, wow. And it, it is, it's great work. But like, again, all of the, none of this was planned. It was literally just like, when you're having conversations with people, when you can be in deep relationship, when you can understand and be open to the possibilities, there are things that emerge that you could never fucking plan for. And so that's really what happened. This conversation led to this conversation, led to us really caring about people and fulfilling their need for wanting to have their story told. Like that then becomes the purpose, right? And from there we move forward and decide how we want to like show up in this space on behalf of and with this community. Um, I love, that. I love that that like that's such a good reminder just to have in general that you don't need to plan everything out like you literally went with and because of your curiosity to Greece and because you had an invitation to go with a girlfriend who just you know wanted to explore what it was going to be like and through that you heard all these amazing and beautiful stories that need to be told and I think that was you there there wasn't like that was literally the perfect timing I remember when we were in New York together and you were like, I'm going to Greece. And we we're like, what the hell? Why are you going to Greece? What's going on there? Right. And you literally turned it around into, yo, we made this documentary. Hear all those stories that we heard. And it's been so amazing to be a part of that journey. And literally seeing you go from like, let's just travel to like, here are all of these amazing people we've met to this award winning documentary. I think that speaks volumes. And also the fact that you don't have a background in film. There was literally no format of the documentary it is everything in all of its rawness which is a true depiction of like humans right as human beings like us just living yeah so, sorry i cut you off but i just wanted to like circle back to that because I, I i'm loving this yeah yeah no, no no i really appreciate that i think that's right like there is so much that can emerge when you just let it be. Like, I think we're so focused on just, this is the goal. I have to get to this end point. And it's like, I, I, nothing punitive, right? Like, if it's not joyful, if the process is not just naturally emerging, is that the right thing? I don't know. Like, my approach has always been sort of like, I don't know even what the goal is going to be, but like I have this intention to just be in the space and learn. And from there, there are possibilities that are, again, like just emerge by nature of being there and being open that would not be possible if you were zoomed in on just achieving this thing. So I don't know that that works for everybody, but it's been so fruitful for me to just be able to lead that way. And again, just the process of it. If I'm killing myself to get to a goal, it doesn't feel worth it. Like my life is too short. Our lives are too short. Like if you can lead from a different place, it just makes everything much more enjoyable and natural. And when people are engaging with you, it doesn't feel forced because it's not, you're not just trying to get this relationship to get to an end point. You're doing it for like the love of the game. Right. Um, and by nature of that, you're just going to show up and engage in a different kind of way. So I think you just got to trust that. And I know that that's really hard to do, especially when it's easy to compare yourself to other people. But like, if you are clear on what your definition of success is, and again, what is your intention and you're clear on why, and it's not driven by your ego, then you can totally surrender to whatever is going to come forward and just follow the path. Okay. So you just sparked another memory of mine. Um, when we were living in New York together and you're going through your master's program, there was this saying that you used to, to like tell me, you'd always say, follow the fear. 
do you think that that's changed now? Because like, I often go back and think about that. Like, how do you follow the fear? Like, what does fear look like? How does it feel? Like, of course we know what it feels like, but how do you follow that fear? What is, yeah, has it changed? Yeah. I mean, I think I just said yes to a lot of things. And by nature of being uncomfortable, you just get used to the process and you clarify what you're doing and why. So it's interesting because I was just talking to one of my mentees today and she was talking about how she got rejected from this program and she was so sad about it. And I was like, look, this, this shit's hard. Like I get it. And I've been there. Like I, it, it is challenging, but like you also won, right? Like people are going to like, what is meant for you cannot miss you. And so if you subscribe to that belief, which could just be you soothing yourself, but is also, if it's not meant to work out right now, it's not going to work out and that's okay. Like you are creating space for a hell yes. It's like whole bodied that is on both sides. And that's a beautiful thing. But to get there, like that takes extraordinary courage and it doesn't just land in your lap. You have to put yourself out there. You have to just be ready to hear the no that is then going to turn into a yes. So I think all that to say, like, if you follow the fear, if you are doing things that inherently feel uncomfortable at some point, it's going to feel way more comfortable and you're going to be able to take the hits and just keep moving, which is like that, that's life, right? Things happen and you just got to pick yourself up and evolve and continue to refine where you're going and just move forward. I love that. So we have a few people online who are just making comments that I wanted to shout out. It's Heather White. Thank you so much for saying exactly your intention. <laughs> why it's so important. Um, if anyone on our live feed has any questions please let us know this is not a me and Callie conversation this is literally an all of us conversation because it's extremely important to like build a community that you can actually relate to and ultimately want to either become or inspired by and that's the whole purpose of this golden hour series so please 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 do send us any questions um because we truly appreciate it uh, so just to wrap that up, what you just said, you still do agree that you should follow your fear because it does op open opportunities as well for you. Is that correct? Sum? I do. And it's some of it's not even professional. Like some of it is just, there is something here that needs to be uncovered. And like, just to be a little bit more personal with it, like it, all of this is connected, right? Like you cannot show up in a space and not be self-aware and also not be toxic. Like it's all interconnected. So I think about where I'm at right now and like wanting to lead instead of just respond. And that requires a capacity within yourself. That requires being able to engage with people in this very authentic way. And to do that, you cannot be motivated by your ego. You have to be really aligned to like, what is, how am I going to do the best possible work to be able to influence the most people and like impact the most people. And so I just think, there's been a lot that has personally come up for me that I've had to work through so that I'm able to engage and lead in those spaces. And a lot of it is deeply personal. I have to be with the things that make me uncomfortable. I have to be with my own fears around like vulnerability and not being good enough and not feeling worthy. Like those are human emotions and I have to understand what's at the core of them because they're going to continue to pop out in different situations where I don't want them to be present and be leading in situations where I need to make the best decision. I can't do that if I'm operating from a place of like, deep fear and uncertainty because it's being driven by this part of myself that I haven't really looked at and healed. So I just, I think fear for me now is like, how do I go inward? How do I sit with myself? How do I heal certain parts of myself? Girl, yes. How do That's I just 
before fully show up. Yeah, I think that is so real because the biggest fear beyond just everything that's around us is yourself, right? Like we have, I know I, I'm just speaking on my, on, on behalf of myself is I have a lot of hidden trauma that I have not discovered yet. And I've literally just kind of like taking things one at a time. So it is so real when you follow the fear, even within yourself and not just around within the atmosphere that you are a part of. Um, so actually that leads into a really great question by it's Heather White. Um, what's giving you both hope right now? I mean, I think for me, like being in Minneapolis and organizing in the wake of the murder of our community member, like there's a lot of reasons to not feel hopeful right now. And it's also not helpful to think that, right? Like I can acknowledge that and be honest with myself, but I don't have to live in that place. And I think in organizing, it's really easy for me to find the beauty in whatever this moment is meant to be. Like within my community, people are starting to show up for each other in ways that we've never had to show up for each other. And that has been beautiful to be a part of and to watch. It's been so healing because it's like coming back to basics. It's the same thing as doula work. Like, how are we in relationship to each other? How are we building systems of support? How do we show up for one another? What do we want our community to look like? We were never gonna have these conversations if it was not for that murder and not for COVID. And it's unfortunate, don't get me wrong, that that had to be that way. I don't think that that's right. But I think if I'm looking for what is hopeful, that is one of the things that feels really positive and generative to me that in the face of so much uncertainty, in the face of so much craziness, I know that like we got us. Right. And I know we're going to show up and be able to take care of each other. And if nothing else, right, the federal government can continue to do what it does. The election is going to happen in November. It's not that I'm deeply not invested in those things. Of course I am. But I can feel some sense of grounding around, okay, but like at the end of the day, right, we're here and we have each other. We know how to be together. We know how to take care of each other. We know how to be in community. And I think that that is something that we've lost um and gained in this period of time but like pre-pandemic right our lives were moving at like ridiculous speeds i mean i was traveling every two weeks I, this is the longest i've ever been in the same place since i was like 13 i mean it's crazy to think about that right that privilege but then also being able to think about again coming back to basics like centering again like being in community like to me this is the point of why we are here so that feels very very hopeful but angel i, I love that too yeah what you think i think well for me hope is literally doing this what we're doing right now right which is remembering that although all of these really heavy things are happening around us and that we can't change it immediately knowing that we're continuing to like keep to the basics of building a community even if it's virtual because it has to be virtual now especially with pandemic that's what's giving me hope. It's giving me hope to know that like I can connect and chat and share my friendship with everyone who's watching live right now and being able to connect with other people who I may not have been able to connect with given, you know, my own circumstances before I've, I'm literally a workaholic. I think you and I, we both know we're like crazy workaholics um, and being able to take a step back from just not having to worry about work so much and now worrying about myself, centering my soul, centering, you know, where I want to be uh, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, it, that's 
what really gives me hope is being able to to reflect on myself and then also build community through that process, right? Because yeah. we are a work in progress. We are not going to change overnight. We're not going to be Miss Perfect anything. Uh, we're going to mess up and we're going to keep falling and we're going to keep failing. But I love that I can build a community uh, who is willing to watch my mistakes um, and like just be a part of the journey. And I want to be a part of everyone else's journey too. I think there's something extremely powerful about that. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think you said something that I reflect on a lot too, which is like being a workaholic. And for sure, like I've had periods of that. And, I, you know, at some point you just have to put in the work. And I get that, even though I a little bit resent that sentiment. But like now I have to tell you, like, I don't, I don't live like that. Like I have a life. I don't have a career. And work will always be one dimension of who I am, but that's not everything. Even as impactful as I hope that it can be, that's not who I am. And I don't over-identify with those parts of myself because they're not long-lasting. They're not durable. They're just a title. It's just an organization. It's just, like, something that you've done in the past, and that's great. But, like, one of the most amazing things that a mentor told me is that you are the scientist and you are in your lab, Right? The only thing that matters is how you show up to that lab. This is like the expression, the manifestation of all of the things that are inputs into you. So like, that's it. That's the journey. That's the only thing that matters. And if you think about it and over identify again with like goals and output and whatever, whatever, like, I don't know, that just feels like it's going to come crashing down at some point. I it just, it's it maybe less enjoyable. I don't know. I, I'm also saying this as somebody who has had a lot of relationships with like older mentors who have so warned me against doing that, that I feel like that's just been embedded into my psyche now of like, I, I don't want to be like that because they're telling me that they've done that and it doesn't work for them. They're not happy. So you're finally not a teenage that. rebel. <laughs> yeah, girl, I had to let that go. I mean, it still lives within me. Don't get me wrong. Like it can still come fucking like wild out. But like for the most part, I just, I'm like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't it. Like, I gotta just, where's the joy? Like, where's the abundance? Like, doesn't mean that I don't struggle with anxiety and panic and like get stressed about things, but it does mean that I'm more actively trying to seek out, like, how is this an enjoyable thing for me? Because this is it. Like, I don't know. I mean, what other higher order is that? I don't know. That is a perfect transition into how you found doula work. Now, I know you mentioned earlier that a friend had mentioned it to you, but were you even thinking about it before your friend mentioned the program that you joined? Like what was going through your mind? Was it that you were in this spiritual space of kind of centering yourself better or how did those, that opportunity come to you and how did you I, find that answer? Yeah, I mean, it was honestly a number of things that again, I feel like I sort of got pointed to at a certain point, but like I'm adopted and I had a couple friends who are starting to adopt and go through that process who wanted just some support, some insight, what is it like to be adopted? And I thought to myself, like, let me get more educated about what this space is so that I can give you more than my perspective. I really wanna support you through this process. And then I learned about being a doula and it was crazy because my sister has a nephew, a son, who's my nephew, who I'm obsessed with. And I, like, basically doodled for her without even realizing it. Yeah. And then my grandmother passed away in March. She was, like, you know, my heart and soul. And I actually ended up doodling her as well because doulas can be for – it's any life transition. So, like – 
birth, death, those things are like essentially the same thing within the spiritual realm of how we think about it. But like, it was amazing to be like, oh, wow. And I've been doing this work. Okay, cool. Like, let me learn a little bit more. Um, And so I think there was that dimension of it. And then there was this other dimension of like, I've touched a little bit on the refugee work, but like, I started to work with United Nations to do some peace building work that included like countering and preventing violent extremism. So I was in conversation with a lot of folks in the Middle East, and like, coming up against this barrier of not really understanding in depth the Ibrahimic texts and like um, Islam and like just Christianity and how everything sort of came together. So I was doing my own self-study while I was there and like engaging with these different people and also recognizing that a lot of the language that people use when they think and talk about religion and spirituality mirrors what they think and talk about with relationships. It's like commitment, devotion, ritual, practice, like belief, all of these really beautiful, hopeful terminologies and ideas. And so with that in mind, like these two things, right, I just sort of was like circling, circling, circling. And then at work right now, it's very focused on maternal strategy. I got them to pay for my doula practice. And then I went through it. And it was amazing that everything just came together. Like, one of the things that blew my mind in doula training is that sex and labor and birth and orgasm are the exact same bodily functions. They run in parallel tracks. So it is a deeply like embedded process that is so natural to us. It is dependent on intimacy and trust to be able to progress for all things. And so I just started to see it all come together in this very interesting way. It healed me in this like really transformative way because it happened at the right time. I took the training when I needed to because I found the right place because I waited because I had set this intent, you know, all these things we've been talking about. Um, and so I just say that to say, like, I feel like I got led here, but I definitely feel like this is on purpose. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And circling back to the adoption comment, like, now, you know, what I'll be doing is developing a more comprehensive support system for birth mothers who are going through family planning and are going to potentially put their child up for adoption. There's no support that exists for them today. That is fundamentally wrong. Separately, if you are going through the adoption process, it is like the Wild West. And it is all run by white Christian organizations, which like no more white saviors. Like I cannot express this enough. If that is the way in which you're going to lead an industry, it's fundamentally built on the wrong things. Therefore, we need to change that whole system. And it needs to be centered on the adoptee. If you're adopting a child that is not of the same race as you, you got to get right with yourself. You got to know how to talk to them about race and prepare them and understand you might not be the best support system for them and to build other communities around them to enable them to feel a sense of belonging. So if you look today at the adoptee population, one in four adoptees have tried to commit suicide. They are overrepresented in every single mental health category, addiction, anxiety, depression, and learning in my doula training about the separation between mom and baby, like it makes sense. It's toxic stress to a baby. And again, this entire thing is built on something that makes no fundamental sense. If there's no such thing as racism and inequality, adoption would not be a thing. This is not natural. It exists because there are no social supports to enable families to stay together. That is, again, fundamentally just fucked up. And I'm not saying adoption is wrong, but I am saying everything needs to change. And we need to be leading from a more honest place and understanding the history of this work to be able to then authentically 
be in right relationship to, to what this is. Um, and so that now is like the work that I'm moving into. And again, so deeply personal, so deeply connected to my own story, but I, I needed to be in a place where I was emotionally, mentally, spiritually ready to engage. And that's sort of the fear that I'm in now when we talk about follow the fear. I don't really get scared. I don't usually get imposter syndrome, not because I think I'm the shit, but because I'm like, I've had to do things to prove to myself that I'm capable. And if there's one thing that I know, it is that I will figure it out. And this feels harder because it's so deeply rooted in who I am and what my challenges are. And like the things that I'm hoping to bring into life for people that are like me and don't have the supports that they need. And it just feels harder um, acknowledging the systems that have directly impacted my life and separated me from my own bloodline. Um, but again, like, how do I sort of turn that, that pain into something that's like powerful and supportive for other people? Um, and I just, I, I just think like it, this would not have been possible if I would have had the goal to do it last year. When I started thinking about it, I needed to let it just breathe and emerge and come Manifest itself. Yeah. Yeah. Timing. I, girl, I'm about to shed a few tears. <laughs> You're I'm so tired. I already have a sweaty face being out here, but <laughs> no, your words hit home so hard. You know, these are, there are so many aspects that we can touch on from racism to like inequalities to just the infrastructure of how that the whole adoption world works. I think. And then circling it back to just, you know, you being able to be ready and be in a space where you can allow these doors to open up for you, right? Um, or even to walk through those doors. I think that's, yeah, all your words hit home. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud to be your friend. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> I know you're like my number one cheerleader. I love it. There's so many people on here, of course, too. Beef too. I saw Heather. That like truly, I mean, this comes back to this idea of community. Like you cannot do it alone. We are yeah. inherently interdependent beings. America is like this experiment that is built on something that fundamentally is not true, which is that we are independent people who can do it on our own. That is not right. Look at the evolution of ourselves as human beings. We're meant to be in tribal. Like that's how it evolved, right? Tribes, like community. And you just can't do it on your own. And the truth is you will never be sustained in the work if you try to. It's too hard. And like talking about this personal journey for me, there were so many moments where I would just sob because it was so hard. It was a lot of my own trauma, a lot of pain. Right. Like I would not have even gotten to a place where I would be able to speak about it in this way had it not been for the people around me who I could have very vulnerable conversations with and say, like, I am struggling right now. I feel so sad and I don't know where it's coming from, like, and having other practices that would help me release that, that trauma um, and work through it in different ways. Because also the truth is your body is, is like meant to release like that is natural the body wants to release and so how do you find ways to support yourself and people to support yourself to be able to do that so you can be sustained and just existing in this world which is crazy already but then to engage in work because that is hard too it's so hard yeah i i could not agree more i mean i think back on the first time we met and the first time you ever visited me in New York and our first walk together along the waters. And we talked about vulnerability so much, you know, like I think I was a little bit more open to it and I could see that your walls were up and we, I would constantly talk to you about what vulnerability means. And it's so 
I'm, I don't even know what the right word is for this, but like, I just love your transformation from like being this hardcore stone faced woman to like literally getting into a space where you are more open to like all of these um, emotions and being vulnerable. Like we, we talk about that so much, just vulnerability. Yeah. So anywho, it is 31 minutes. Um, I do want to be conscious of our time that this is, I'm going to wrap it up, but I do want to wrap it up with Callie giving us the last words in regards to like what curiosity and, and opportunities means to her or just what you want the audience to know. I mean, I, I think something I've really been sitting with is like, what is meant for you cannot miss you. And I know I had mentioned that in the beginning of the live, but like, I think there is so much power and beauty and the ability to let go and surrender. And I'm saying that because I'm in this season of my life right now, but I have noticed when I have been able to do that and to trust myself and my instincts and like my integrity to my values that like so many things have aligned for me in ways that I could not have planned. Um, and so I just think that in this moment, right, be gentle with yourself because there's so much that's happening that is out of our control. Um, really prioritize your spiritual, mental, emotional health. I do not think that you could ever do too much of that. And even though it can feel indulgent, again, like I don't know anyone who is self-aware and also a toxic person, right? Like do it for you, do it for the work, do it for the way you want to move through the world. And I just think there's something beautiful about the radical letting alone. And like, I would just encourage you to find joy, find abundance, like do the things that make you feel good. And even though a lot of this conversation has been centered on doing things and career, like, again, that's not who you are. You are who you are and you are like, you know, all of your inputs. And so the more that you can build that capacity for yourself and understand who you are outside of these other definitions, I just think the better off our entire world is going to be. Um, so I guess that's what I would leave people with.